0: The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The podcast precinct. Consistency, creativity, culture. On today's episode of NFL History, Andrew and I discuss the late great OG Iron Man of the NFL Gridiron, Mr. Red. Grange. We're going to take a look at his life and times, everything he accomplished on and off the football field. Should be a good time. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Matt Johnson, and this is the Two Point Conversation.
1: All right. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Just ate some uh Jordy Nelson's farm fresh flakes. I just love that name. But no, I really didn't. But I just wanted to mention it once again.
0: <laughs> it's, your, it's your favorite. That's your I feel like those those shirts need um needs or those cereal boxes need shirts. Yes. I feel like uh, that needs to happen So yeah That was a fun episode yesterday I had a really good time And uh, a lot of people did enjoy A lot of people did enjoy All you know the, the, the cereals and talking about it And whatnot. so Gotta break away from the
1: norm Gotta break away from the norm Can't just be guys on ESPN Yelling at each other all the time Or <laughs> fs One or have a hot take let's have a
0: hot take on a breakfast cereal exactly exactly i i prefer that i prefer that um which is fun because next week we're doing uh the starting lineups for the game so that's uh the original line of like 130 yeah starting lineups we're gonna do a multi-parter to to finish off the season which is really really fun so i think we got three we think we got like three weeks to do it we'll figure it out we'll make it work um that yeah no that's a good time um but yeah so we're doing the ironman 60-minute ironman uh month as our theme for uh this wonderful month of august as we uh as we near towards football season 60-minute ironman a lost art uh probably for the best possibly for the best depending on who you ask andrew's like oh yeah i don't we're, we're both sides just just burn yourself out but i'm just you know I, I i like player safety and i like i like player longevity so
1: i just realized i grew up in the age where a concussion was referred to as getting your bell rung right and i i think that was kind of like the craziest thing that crossed my mind whatever we talk about this stuff is i grew i i grew up in Kind of at the end of that, and then to where it's like, oh my goodness, you got a head injury. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's horrible. Back then, it was smelling salts, and you got your bell wrong.
0: Right. No, a, a a much different era. I mean, you've had conversations with several of the guys in the group chat, and yeah, I mean, very different eras. I, know, I remember you had a discussion with uh, David one time, and you were talking about you know the hard hittingness of of the back then, and. David brought up a good point. He goes, eh, I kind of like my quarterbacks having like playing for a long time. And it's, it's, it was an interesting perspective because, you know, I, I think back to, you know, our Burt Jones episode. It's like, man, if he would have not got his shit rocked, what could have been, you know, one of those things. But I don't think the money was
1: there as much as it is now. You know, I think that's the great thing with actually with us starting off with Red Grange for this. Right is he kind of changed the game hugely. So I think that's kind of like the cool thing about this as well, as you we're looking at probably not only a great 60 minute man, but the man that put the NFL on the map. Right. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, but this is the Babe Ruth of the NFL. That's, I'm saying most probably not now when you talk about the NFL, but at this time and through
0: later on. I would say post- I think that's a good I think that's a good comparison. I think that's fair. Um, you know, Babe Ruth Ruth was the hero of yesteryear, right? I think Babe Ruth might have been the first like major baseball, majorly recognized baseball player. I could be mistaken. My baseball history isn't quite up to snuff, uh, but <sighs> Yeah, you had other guys. There was some other guys, okay. Yeah. But I, I feel like, me, as far as megastars go, like me, like cross media megastars, and I, I feel like Babe Ruth was the first one to kind of to to go through that. But uh, like I said, I'm well, we,
1: like a celebrity athlete, right? And that's what I I would agree with you. Babe Ruth, Red Grange is the first nfl celebrity athlete and some people be like well what about you know this guy no this guy was the first celebrity athlete
0: right in the nfl him you know i i dare say jim thorpe who i definitely i whether it's whether it's you or me i definitely want to do an episode of that um you know this this upcoming month these guys are the ones who who made it you know the star power power wasn't as common uh, back in those early days as it is today right just about yeah. every team has has a top notch marketable player um <laughs> there's only a few teams who don't i it was hilarious we went to we went to the pro football hall of fame this past uh um this past a couple months ago me and brian and jack and and boyd there was a couple teams like they had jerseys for every single team right but there's a couple teams they just didn't have a jersey uh it's you know it's more so common that to have that marketable player, but I mean the NFL it was the, the face. faces there was maybe five you know marketable people, but a couple superstars at this time. Yeah, baseball was getting or excuse me, baseball was trouncing like NFL in in TV like oh, not TV was hardly a thing for football back in the day, but you know it, it was they get trounced
1: yeah you wanted you wanted you you would gravitate more to the guys you know luke garrigs and baby roots and everybody else that it, football was very well frowned upon i mean we've discussed before football almost didn't even happen college football almost got shut down which means professional football would have got shut down and it was not a definitely in the beginning of this age was not looked at as a very promising thing. The NFL back then is how people look at the USFL today. I think that's probably one of the best analogies compared to baseball. It's do you want to go see a baseball game or do you want to go to an NFL game? Obviously played at two different times, but most people would say, I would rather go watch, you know, uh, what is it? Thirties, twenties. You know, I'd rather go watch Babe Ruth, Dizzy Dean, um, all those other guys as well play baseball than go watch an NFL game. It was,
0: but but yeah, in his greatness, you know, his and, and many others who paved the way. Their greatness is is pretty unmatched. I mean, you can base it on the era, but. Um, with a name like Red Grange, it's, uh, you know, all these years later, I even think people who don't know that much about him, uh, you know, adore Red Grange and what he means to the game of football.
1: My favorite nickname of all time as well. I, I think it's still the coolest out of any NFL player, unless you have something crazy. The galloping ghost is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Even though
0: ghosts don't gallop. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a football nickname. What are you going to do? Um, <laughs> Yeah, Red Grange. I'm really excited to talk about this one because he did so much for the NFL. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you ready to hop into it? I'm ready. All right. Let us start off. So Red Grange, she was born on June 13th, 1903 in Forksville, Pennsylvania. Really, uh, really small, small place. Um. He was born to his father, Lyle, who uh, was actually a foreman of a bunch of lumber camps, which was a big deal there. Uh, unfortunately, his mother passed away when he was five years old. And um, because of that, the Grange family, they lived with a bunch of relatives. So they grew up, you know, without a window to throw a pot of piss out of. So they were pretty uh, <laughs> tough times, tough times. No doubt about it. But, um, but yeah, they eventually moved to uh, Wheaton. And his dad became chief of police, which is pretty cool. So four years at Wheaton High School, uh, Grange earned 16 varsity letters in football, baseball, basketball, and track. I'm actually really curious about that. I mean, it's a long time ago, but two of those sports are like, like by today's standards, two of those sports are spring sports. So was he split in time? You know, what, what was the deal with that?
1: He's a very mythological
0: <laughs> football
1: <laughs> a- player. I, 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 I was gonna save this, but it's funny when you mention that. There's a lot of more. This is kind of like the Bo Jackson of the time as well. There's a lot of myth around him. I watched some like old newsreel that they showed of him, and they tried to say in thirteen years between high school, college, and pros, he ran for four thousand yard, four thousand thirteen yards, averaged eight point one yards a carry and ran for five hundred five hundred and thirty one touchdowns. Jesus. So it's a very mythological thing with him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's uh very, very, very accomplished. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, he had 36 touchdowns in his uh is a junior. Like that's insane. And uh his senior year they won every he he helped his team win every game except one. They lost 39-0 to Scott High School in Toledo, uh, but he was actually knocked out of this game and a conscious for a couple days. He could hardly speak when he finally came out. That's serious. He got his bell rung. He got his bell rung. Football has uh, certainly come a long way, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, this dude is great. A state champion in 1920 in the high jump. Uh, state Place finisher, third and fourth place in the hundred yard dash and two hundred twenty yard dash. That's a weird number, two hundred twenty yard dash. Um, the twenties, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: you couldn't drink, so you had to come up with weird numbers.
0: <laughs> Nineteen yeah. twenty one, he won state title in the long jump with a hundred yard dash, and um, you know, just very, very accomplished. Very, very accomplished. He. Oh wow, seventy. Uh, let's see. He said that he ran the hundred yard dash in nine nine point eight seconds, which is uh, that's pretty fast. It's pretty fast, but he said it, so I don't know if it's official. Um, but he was a busy guy he, throughout his entire life. So like you know, Chuck Bed- Bendrick, uh Benerick, who we're gonna talk about this month, you know, is probably one of the you know more famous sixty minute men. Yeah, we talked about his you know the job taking or his. Off seasons doing concrete work. Well, Mr. Uh Red Grange here toted he was an ice toter. That's <laughs> such an obsolete job. Oh well, nowadays it is, but back <laughs> I know, then it's, I, it's, I don't know. It's it's like it's it's crazy for me to be like, yeah, I, I made ice for a living. You know, like that was a legit job back in the day. That's crazy. I'd love to see what ice prices were <laughs> <laughs> like, how much did they charge for ice back in the day? I'm very, very curious.
1: I'm not going to lie. They still do it in Iraq. Uh,
0: that makes we were, sense. We that makes sense a little bit. We a were, were bit. on,
1: like, a morning patrol, and I actually saw people, like, bring wagons up to this place and get big blocks of ice. I was right. Like, but because it's only in this era that you would see it. But that's that's absolutely crazy.
0: Yeah, that. It, that was a thing. It was a thing. He made thirty-seven dollars and fifty cents a week, which probably went pretty far back then, right? I would imagine so.
1: What did it say? 19, Nineteen. So thirty-seven fifty. He was. That's. That's not too bad so about $37 a little bit more $37 is equivalent to $641.14 today
0: that's a good pay that's a good pay week for a part-time job that goes far yeah um so not bad but after he uh after he graduated from high school he went to the University of Illinois and um he actually had no intention originally of playing football he uh only wanted to do basketball and track which I get. He was unconscious for two days because of football. I completely understand that. Um, what
1: he said there was too many, too many people going out for the football team,
0: which makes sense. I mean, kind of, sort of. Because you gotta.
1: Uh, I didn't realize this back then until I started doing the research. There's no scholarships,
0: right? It's just so, uh, yeah.
1: So that thirty-seven fifty paid for his college that's how he paid for college and he did it wasn't so it wasn't like anybody was like hey you're this high school star like we are today you're a five-star recruit come come here play here and you can win a bunch of games and we're gonna you know you're gonna go into the nfl and everything else and there was a bunch of guys and he was like i can't compete with this so they left and Hmm. one of his friends actually kind of forced him into it because he worked The way that he got housing was he worked at a fraternity washing dishes. Hmm. So that is the big time football player.
0: That is the big time football player. Yeah. And again, it's, it's kind of wild to think that, I mean, college football was pre, was way more respected than pro football too. This is something else that camps you know, people can understand college football was everything. Um, basketball and track, like I can understand track cause track was pretty good. You mm-hmm. know, track was, it has always been a, a, a big sport and maybe not as mainstream now as is back then, but, but basketball was growing too. Basketball was really growing too. Basketball was kind of in its infancy stage back, back, yeah. back then. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he obviously eventually changed his mind and he also got a job. He modeled for local men's clothing stores. Um, mm-hmm. he was a floor model which was actually a big thing for Illinois uh, athletes. And he also did amateur boxing. So this dude was just, <laughs> uh, it sounds stressful because I feel like that's my life sometimes where I just like, there's, I don't know how to relax I, my hands and like, I got to do, be doing something all the time. So I can kind of relate, obviously not as nearly as, as talented as an athlete as red Grange, <laughs> but um, he played there between 1923 and 25. And uh he did did pretty well for himself. His biggest like uh, his biggest breakout game uh, was on October eighteenth, nineteen twenty four. He was playing against Michigan. They were just built a the new Memorial Stadium, um, which was uh, it was built as a memorial to. It's, it's weird here the world you know alumni of the team who alumni of the school who had served in World War One and um, Wolverines obviously always being a much. Historically, much bigger school. He entered the game as favorites. Uh, they won that they were previous national title champ. You know, won the national title the previous year. Uh, but Grain started off with a 95-yard touchdown on the opening kickoff, and he also scored three more uh, big touchdowns: one from 67 yards, one from 56, and one from 44. Um, if that was in the first 12 minutes of the game, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, crazy.
1: So a lot of scoring,
0: a lot of scoring. Um, Yeah, he's just, he put up all, all the, uh, all the points, all the points this dude was a workhorse uh, at the time. But this is when he earned his uh, right around the time where he earned his nickname, the, the Galloping Ghost, probably because of that game. Um, There's actually a little poem. It comes from here right? It's, it's around this time period that, that this okay. poem gets released. Um, a streak of fire, a breath of flame, eluding all who reach and clutch a gray ghost thrown into the game. The rival hands may never touch a rubber bounding, blasting soul whose destination is the goal red Grange of Illinois. Um, but yeah, he, he get, this is where he got his galloping ghost nickname and, uh, and and so on and so forth, but yeah, I mean, this dude's a major star heading into nineteen twenty five um huge I mean, huge just... star cover of time magazine um so he was
1: that's like being an instagram star today
0: it is it is uh he was approached right before the nineteen twenty five season um by a guy by the name of CC C. Pyle, who opened or who ran a movie theater and he asked him, he goes, how would you like to make $100,000, and maybe a million. And like any normal person. Yeah. He was like, yeah. He's like, don't, don't tell anybody. And the owner eventually contacted George Hallis and Edward Sterneman who were the owners of the Chicago bears at that time. Um, what wonder when Hallis out of that Edward dude, I never heard of him. Interesting. Um, but they established a professional, they got a professional contract going and uh, they wanted to do uh they want to do what's called a barnstorming tour, which is really, it, it's kind of like, so in indie wrestling, you do, you know, we do tours. You can do a tour in Canada, which is like two weeks. You can do a tour around town back in the day. Like the NWA and stuff, those were considered tours. You'd just be nonstop wrestling, and and you you, you take a break. This was uh, an effort by the NFL to kind of get uh, some notoriety, mm-hmm. and uh, they convinced them. They convinced them to uh, to do this barnstorming tour. It, it spanned 19 games over 67 days, including going down to Florida, and uh, and yeah, because he was such a big star, there was like. There's a lot of interest in this. So the Bears organization, uh, you know, Hallis Sterneman, they received fifty percent of the ticket gate for every single um, game that they played on this tour, and Pile, uh, the, the the movie theater owner, as well as Red Grange, got the other half. So that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Um, let's see. Yeah, he he wasn't even graduated yet. That's the thing too.
1: No, because it was like a big deal. Like his coach in college kind of got on him because of how bad the NFL was looked upon. Like I said, uh, Red Grange even quoted himself as saying that he would have been more respected if he would have joined the Capone mob over the NFL. (laughs) That's how bad it is. And his coach at Illinois told him, you know, why don't do this? Don't do this. And he's told him. He said, why you get you get paid to coach? Why can't I get paid to play and so that was like his big thing about it plus two if somebody comes up to you and a hundred thousand dollars maybe even a million back then why would you not take that
0: right oh dude i would do in a heartbeat what do you want what do you want me to do yeah no problem yeah um (laughs) i'm gone yeah so i mean yeah he wasn't even a graduate And, uh, but after that though, he was, he was just so popular. He was, you know, everyone's like, oh, what are you, what are you going to do after, after college? And and like you said, the NFL wasn't super popular at the time. And, um, there was actually a petition created to convince him to run for the, uh, for Congress with the Republican party at 22 years of age. And, uh, (laughs) and he just like, ah, not really cool with that. But, um, but yeah, so he, you know, went through his senior year and progressed okay. They were uh they, they lost a couple tough games at the at the beginning, but um but Grange actually got like moved to quarterback. But he was just so, you know, he was just so famous and and just everything came out at, at once. He literally was the face of football at this time.
1: Yeah, that- farm story tour was crazy i mean 19 games 67 days i think it was like 17 cities playing back-to-back games and the roster for the bears at the point where only 16 men so there was some cases where like the team manager like the actual water boy and stuff like that would actually have to suit up just to make up numbers jesus
0: <laughs> can you imagine that's <laughs>
1: But they they had to do it. I mean, it's one of those things you you sell somebody a ticket, and I think he actually missed the game, and people wanted their money back yeah. because he 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 missed the game because he was injured. But that's that's a lot of games in a lot of days, especially with that the the way that it is now,
0: right? So. Yeah, it's it's a lot. But uh, yeah, he had a a pretty fantastic collegiate career. He had 20 games. He ran for 3,362 yards, caught 14 passes for 253 yards. And he also as a quarterback completed 40 uh, passes for 575 yards. And uh, yeah, 31 touchdowns. He had nine for more than 50 yards away. And he had at least one touchdown in every game that he played, except a game against Nebraska. But three three uh, consecutive years, he was All American, and as we said, appeared on the cover of Time in October fifth, nineteen twenty five. Um, but then, yeah, he would go to the the pros. So after the uh, nineteen twenty five Ohio State game, right, Grange if he announced his intention to to go to the Bears, but uh, other teams obviously wanted him, and this is. It. <laughs> George Hallis, man, what a creature. Uh, <laughs> he The Bears were super shady at that point. Super shady. Really, really shady. Um, so here are some other teams who lobbied. Actually, I think Red Grange is the one, if I'm not mistaken, and no one doesn't say it here, but I read somewhere else, that the Bears got the Packers kicked out of the National Football League so they can take Grange. I think it was him. I read this somewhere. They booted him out of the NFL so he could take range. They take Grange, and then the Bears politicked to get the Packers reinstated in the National Football League. Can you look that up and confirm that for me? I, I remember reading this years ago, but I always found it very humorous. Very humorous. Uh, Rochester, Rochester, New York. The Jeffersons. They made an effort to sign him. Uh, at a salary of $5,000 per game, and uh, uh, that was a big, that was bad. Uh, it hurt, and actually the Jeffersons closed because they cannot close the deal on Red Grange. He would have saved football. Isn't that crazy to think that he would have been, I mean, an hour and a half from where I I live, and, but I used to live in Rochester. Red Grange would have been, it, it, but I understand it's not a big enough market. Um, the Giants offered $40,000 but uh, allegedly, but um, yeah, Grange was locked in. He was uh, locked in with the bears and you got to keep in mind too. This was a, uh, this is a, a, a wild, wild West of just
1: anybody can get anybody.
0: Yeah. That and just schedules and stuff. People put teams played uneven amounts of games. It was not very organized, it was organized but not organized. Um but yeah, so he actually like was criticized heavily for this going on to play professional football because oh man, a lot of people were not like they viewed it as the lesser of of pro football, of, of football. All right, pro football was too commercialized, it just it wasn't a good quality, you know, uh, of things. And yeah, the and uh, there's a lot of people, again, just, you know, people who are not obviously Red Grange that would, uh, you know, just criticize like, Oh, this, this, this coach, um, uh, somebody from Yost, uh, Ed, Ed Yost, Ed Yost, my apologies. And he goes, yeah, I'd be happy to see Grange do anything except play pro football. and. And legit, people were trying to convince Red Grange not to go to the NFL. Like somebody had their, their another guy had this taxi <laughs> go a different, like go a different route. He goes, get me to, the, you know, go, get me to this hotel so I could tell Red Grange not to play pro football. Like, what the heck? Um, Yeah. And, and Grange kind of called him out. Like, this is obviously a much different area. This guy's name is uh, Zupke. Um, And Grange is like, what are you talking about? Why can't I play pro football? Why can't it be paid to play pro football if you're receiving money as a coach? And um, yeah, it's just a big, big back and forth thing. Just that's how, but this is again, this, this alludes to how great Red Grange was. He was controversial for wanting to go to the NFL and get money, get paid to play in the NFL. Like, come on.
1: That's, that's the crazy thing. Is that they just? I and it's got to be. It's so hard to like look at it that way in today's perspective. Like the way that we have the draft and everything else. Like, draft is huge. Yeah, college football. Look at who these college football players are. I mean, the whole month of April. That's what you and Brian do. Let's so look at prospects. Look at this, and not one of those big name prospects are. I don't think any of them are talked out of playing football. No, I mean, they're football. encouraged. Kyler Murray, at one point, great example, was kind of talked into playing football. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's like, right. Yeah, I mean, baseball's been the the the, the main leverage, you know, point because the money there is really really good, and it's less of a toll on your body. But, um, red. I mean, this is literally Red Grange being a trailblazer for the sport. Mm-hmm. So, um. It but, looks it oh. looks like
1: they were kicked out of league, but it wasn't for Red Grange, it was for something else with another. Oh, it was player. a
0: different player. Okay. My yeah. apologies then. Um so Grange hired that uh that that theater manager, that pile, as his agent. He signed with the Bears and um yeah, he earned a salary and a share of gate receipts. So whatever the you know, this is a very wrestling thing too, but whatever you know however many paying fans were there he'd get a cut of it it amounted to a hundred thousand dollars and uh this was wild back then so a yearly salary um back then majority of salaries were less than a hundred dollars a game oh yeah
1: is like amateur league type salary
0: yeah yeah and again i mean foot for, for that time period inflation all that stuff it's not a bad living but a <laughs> hundred thousand dollars back in 1925 versus you know and they're only playing nine games a year so what like 900 bucks compared to this <laughs> rent range this hundred thousand yeah yeah i'm sure that ruffled some feathers am sure that ruffled some feathers but um but, yeah, so before he, he joined with the team, um, or let's say he's the last player to play both college football and the NFL in the same season just because it was so wacky and wild. But the NFL actually, <laughs> they got him, and then they passed a red range rule to forbid players from doing the same thing. So, yeah, that doesn't I would have love to
1: that. see that today.
0: <laughs> Imagine
1: it was just Wild West like that. Oh, yeah. And then – some team like needed Bryce Young, like all of a sudden, Bryce Young just started playing for like the Houston Texans, and then all of a sudden just <laughs> went back to Alabama for a little bit.
0: <laughs> I know. Oh boy. Yeah. What a. I love, I love hearing stuff about this. I literally don't want to do anybody. I know we don't have any, like, there's not too many modern 60 minute men, but I want all old NFL players this month, all old, all original. Um, so Grange made his NFL debut on November 26th, uh, Thanksgiving Day of 1925, and uh, it was against the Chicago Cardinals. He did a uh, he didn't do too bad. He uh, he, he only had a couple days, three days practice with the Bears uh, before the uh, <laughs> before they threw him out there. He got 92 rushing yards and interception on the other side of the ball and a scoreless tie. And uh, pretty good payday crowd of 40,000 attended that game. And then the next game I uh, played in was against the Columbus Tigers and he threw a touchdown pass and recorded 171 yards and a bears win 14 to seven. And, uh, and yeah, December, they got to hit a whole bunch of games. It was literally like whatever you could sign, like get games, sign up for games and just play, um, yeah, he had eight games between time. December 2nd and 13th of that year. Eight games. It's hard to imagine, right? Yeah. Um, three of them were against local All-Star teams. Uh, the first game was against the Donnelly All-Stars in St. Louis, and Grain scored four touchdowns in a 39-6 blowout uh, on December 5th. He scored two touchdowns, including the game winner against the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets. We all love the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets. They are actually the Philadelphia Eagles. I really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. They're like uh
1: how the Lions were the what are they? Ports, Ports Mount Spartans at one point? Yeah. Yeah, or the Chicago Bears as the Decatur
0: Scalies, yep.
1: Frankfurt Yellow Jackets are the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: Hmm. I feel like I might have known that, but not really. So I relearned it. Thank you.
1: No problem. <laughs> That's what I'm here for.
0: That's what you're here for. December 6th, a little bit a day after playing the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets, um, in at the Polo Ground, 65, um, somewhere between 65 and 73,000 people showed up to watch the Bears play the Giants. But, um, the Giants were in financial trouble, but all those people paid to watch Red Grange play. So in New York at the Polo Grounds and everybody came to watch Red Grange and he scored a touchdown on a 35 on a yard pick six uh, to help the Bears win 19 to 7. So he actually he's uh, he saved the Giants. He's because of that attendance record. He saved the Giants franchise. There's a what if. There's a what if? What if Red Grange never went and played at uh, the polo grounds?
1: What if Red Grange never even played? Yeah, it's Did, a good one. Do we even have the NFL? Hmm.
0: Hmm. Tempting. Tempting. Um. And yeah. So, uh, but he was being marketed. He just uh, he was promoting football and themselves. Like he was, you just go to different cities. Um, like the, the, the Bears went to Washington. I love this story, or went to play a Washington DC all star team. And uh, the, his agent Pyle and Red Grange, they, they were like, Now nah, we're gonna stay in New York and promote ourselves. And they got a ton of endorsements.
1: Whew. I love the one about Calvin Coolidge. mean meets Calvin Coolidge, is my favorite story because that's how bad the NFL was looked upon. Oh, yeah. this, is <laughs> this is good. So,
0: this is good. Go ahead. Go
1: ahead. So they're at the White House with like him, George Halas, and the Bears. And they're introduced as Red Grange, George Halas, and the Chicago Bears. Calvin Coolidge shakes their hand and he says, he says, glad to meet you. I always did like animal acts. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, if that tells you how low the NFL is at that point. Uh, yeah. Or how how not well...
0: Advertised it is well, Calvin Coolidge wasn't the most uh eccentric president either, right? He had a couple interesting, interesting nicknames. Silent Cal, he was Silent Cal, so of course, someone who doesn't talk is going to look at football like it's barbaric, but yeah, but
1: could you imagine that today though?
0: Oh no, it would never happen. Well, hold on, hold on a second. I I can't forget about our former president. <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah. All right. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Bears spanked Washington that game, nineteen nothing, and um, it was a it was a light game, not not a great game. Too much promoting himself. 16 rushing yards, no receiving and return yards, and he did not get a pass attempt. He threw an interception. He missed a field goal. Um, but Grain started to get injured. Grain started to get, you know, the injuries started to pile up. It's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, this is why they play only play 17 game seasons, and it's a week in between, right? There's a and a by, you know, of of course, a bye week to give rest. But man, what what was that stat? I mean, what do we say? It was it was. How I mean, many games? It, it was...
1: was 19 games, 17 cities, in 67 days.
0: Oh, with a well, there's six... that. But between that December 2nd and 13th, it was eight games. Like, come on. Yeah.
1: It was it's... some, I heard some were double headers. Yeah. <laughs> Even baseball, when I was younger, I was like, ah, oh, baseball double header. Why? But then when you think about it and you're in the hot sun the whole entire time, and now you think about these guys, they said there was one game where, they had to catch the train that they didn't even have time to wash the mud off of them. And they had to like, just wear their uniforms on the train.
0: That's gross. (laughs) No, thank you. No, thank you. Would you Uh,
1: do $100,000?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Uh, I would do just about anything for a hundred (laughs) thousand dollars, just about anything. Um, But yeah, so they were still, the, the Bears were still winning. But Granger started to get hurt. He uh he, he hurt his left arm against the Giants, and it was swollen. Uh, the next game against the uh, the Providence Steamrollers, and uh, he's just not good. They pulled him from the game, and uh, they got a lot of the, a lot of criticism because of this because they could tell they could tell that Grange seemed less electric, right? That the, his enthusiasm, his ability as a football player was just it was diminishing. Um, and they were worried because, you know, he's obviously the face of the NFL. And, uh, at this point in time, the, the biggest moneymaker and he's getting progressively worse because of this tour, he actually got, he said he got booed for the first time in his career in Boston. They boo everybody. They do. Boston's a rough crowd, tough crowd. Um, But yeah, he got booed there. And he's like, "Ah, it made me aware of something. This is from his autobiography. He says, it made me aware of something I never thought of before. That the public's attitude towards a pro football player is quite different from the manner in which they view a college gritter. A pro's performance is evaluated and much more critically, um, is evaluated much more critically and he's less likely to be forgiven when a mistake is made. A pro must deliver or else. Kind of interesting. It's uh, the mentality of that's pro stan- football today.
1: Yeah. I was going to say that that just rings true.
0: Yeah. Throughout the ages. It does. Um, he actually hired a, uh, a personal doctor after that last game in, in Boston. And man, um, just hiring certain individuals just to take care of himself Cause I'm sure team doctors weren't like a, a, a thing back then. That's like a standard today. Almost, yeah.
1: with some of these guys.
0: Like what is Oh, it? you need a whole training staff, a a, a a a licensed professional training staff. Um, let's see here. Yeah, so they went to Pittsburgh. They played an all-star team there, and uh, someone told Grains not to play. They seen his arm. He's like, "Don't play." And oh my god there was only like 10 players on the field and Hallis had to choose between two injured linemen to serve as the required 11th man. This is insane. That's that's pro football, baby. That's that's what it was. Um, McGrange eventually, you know, he, he, he played, he made it 12 minutes and he attempted to block a, uh, the block for halfback Johnny Mohart. And he suffered a torn ligament, broken blood vessel in his arm, which led to uh, artery hemorrhaging. The Bears lost that game twenty four nothing, and after that they uh, they canceled they canceled the game against an all star team in Cleveland, and it was a big mess because the uh, the promoter there sued the Bears for breach of contract, and Grain said he's like no I'll be good for the game against the Detroit Panthers, he had to miss it because the blood clot and the Bears got spanked twenty one nothing. So they really ran him ragged. This is like watching the Titans throw Derrick Henry out there <laughs> to rush 200 yards every single game. It's really sad, um, but that was one of the toughest schedules. Um, they, they lost their final game against the Giants in a nine nothing defeat, and that yeah, it was. They went five four and one in that in that little tour. So the, and they went on tour again in January. <laughs> <laughs> they had a January I tour that started in December, It started in December, but it is a January tour and uh, the bears traveled to Florida to play in the Florida league. And they decided to take week long breaks, which is good, which is obviously what they do now. Um, and they have week long, week long breaks between stretches, which they played games on consecutive days. So if they played two games in a row, I'm guessing they, that and Grange started to, to, get a little bit better, right? They want to health-wise. He scored a lone touchdown and a win against um, a Coral Gables Florida team and 89 rushing yards and a 7-0 win. And then they played the Tampa Cardinals on January 1st, 1926. And um, or roughly around then. Oh, he got in trouble. But he did good. <laughs> he scored a 70-yard touchdown run. He helped the Bears win 17-3, to but um, they got arrested for speeding prior to that, and there's also a bunch of rumors about him participating in a boxing match. Uh boy! But uh, Gr- you know, Grange had money, so Grange and Pyle, his agents, uh, down in Tampa, they invested seventeen thousand dollars a piece in real estate to capitalize on the big Florida. Really, you know, having a uh, growing as a state population, but um, but hurricanes kind of messed that up. Uh, the Bears played a Jacksonville team against uh former Stanford All-American Ernie Nevers. We've talked about him before. He was great, too. He was really great. Seven um, touchdowns in a game. Hold the record. I think so, too. Most points, too, I think scored in a game as well. <laughs> um, Grains threw a 30-yard touchdown pass in that game. And Then following a, a one-week rest period, they went down to New Orleans and Granger's is crushing it. I, I I guess I shouldn't go through every single game, but the mm-hmm. the, the breaks helped extend his career. Um, the Bears went eight and one on that dece- in the late that December January tour, and um, Pyle gave Grange his last rookie paycheck, a fifty thousand dollar paycheck, and he made one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars over his rookie season. So, That's, pretty. Uh, uh- it's not bad. Not too shabby, right? Um, he's like, oh, they he kept his word. Now I thought I can go on and make a million. That's what he wrote in his autobiography. And again, those barnstorming tours are regularly credited with, with saving the NFL and pro football. Because, you know, as rough as it was, they did pay the way. They made they got interest in it. And people started coming to football games, right? Packing the giant stadium was a massive deal. It was a huge deal for what for what you know, what the NFL was at that time. Um, I did some
1: inflation numbers on the 125,000. Okay. What's and it add up
0: to? He
1: made $1.2 million in oh. today's money. That's, it's like, a I, game chapter, I, guys, I would take <laughs> but that, but it's not bad.
0: <laughs> not, not bad for back then. So his career takes a much more interesting. No, it's not bad for back then. It's not bad for now, too. Um, his his career takes an interesting turn after that uh, January tour. So he uh, looked to George Hallis and Dutch German He wanted to buy an interest in the Bears. He's obviously had the money, but they're like, nope. And uh, that's George Hallis. That's George Hallis. And so pile uh pile and in Grange, they uh, they went and attempted to form their own team. <laughs> And they did for a little bit. So we, we talked about the New York Yankees football team um, back in the day, and they uh, there was a whole bunch of stuff. They they, they attempted to start it, and uh, they actually acquired a five-year lease to play at Yankee Stadium, but there were some people who challenged it. So, um, so Grange actually went and formed his own other alternate football league, the AFL, the original AFL, American Football League, with nine teams. Um, yeah. So this is like he's as much as good as he did for the NFL. He's trying to combat it here. And they did a 10-game barnstorming tour in Texas, California. And <laughs> it's a funny story. It says the only memorable part of the tour. He and his teammates were arrested in Dallas for disturbing the peace and reportedly being intoxicated. Um the group, which the group had denied, and Grange explained the incident transpired when the team visited a hotel at 4 a.m. after being recommended the spot as a nightlife location by a local policeman. Oh, uh, yeah. After the players were ordered by the hotel manager to leave the lobby for the noise, the police confronted them, including throwing teammate, um, that name in a Pooley Hubert in an argument. Oh. And oh. yes, arrested and jailed, and they were released after paying ten dollars because they had a play <laughs> game in Beaumont that day. But uh, the AFL didn't last a very long time, as as could be uh, – eh, yeah, it lasted one season. And the Yankees were eventually scooped up to the the NFL, and then by October 17, 1927 – oh, on October 19, 17, 1927, the Yankees were shut out by the Bears in Chicago, ironically enough. And in that game, Grain suffered a, a big-time knee injury um, – Oh, God. Yeah, Grange's cleat caught in the middle of the field and his knee twisted and this uh, center George Trafton fell on him. And he had a torn tendon. And, uh, yeah, it changed him for the rest of his career. He wasn't really able to perform um, as well as he did. And, um, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. Let's see here. Yeah, like twenty four. He was it was kind of a wrap, but he still he still played a little bit. Um, the contract between that pile and Grange expired on January nineteen twenty eight, but uh, Grange was again he was done. So a very short lived career. Um, he withdrew a stake from the Yankees, and the the New York Yankees kind of flopped after that. They shut down for financial reasons, and um, <sighs> he went and played for the Bears in nineteen twenty nine. Oh, that's cool. He caught a touch in 1932. He caught the uh, game winning touchdown pass from Bronco Nagurski. Another great legend. Uh, and 1933 championship game Grange made a touchdown saving tackle that saved the game and title for the bears. Bears were really, really good back in the early days. Really good. But um,
1: the T formation was something else.
0: <laughs> it's, it certainly was, but um, but yeah he did uh he did pretty well for himself, like i said, very good person, modest person um as many would say, and uh he just follows instincts with everything and he actually ended up coaching for the bears um George Halas wanted to be the head coach, but he declined uh he just wanted to be a position coach, so he did backfield and he remained with the team uh until nineteen thirty seven so that's really his playing career in a nutshell he uh you know some other side stuff he got into acting, yeah
1: morning a a film serial that was that's huge that's like having your own tv show back then
0: for sure so this is something i I mean i never really. i always thought jim brown was one of the first ones to do it but um grange could uh he could draw a crowd he has several films uh to his credit he did a 12-part serial series the galloping ghost in 31 he did his own stunts including vehicle chases and fight scenes so that's pretty cool um that's quite a bit. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah, he he. After that, he he stayed around it though. He um, motivational speaking, sports announcer. He called Bears games for CBS in the nineteen fifties, and uh, yeah, eventually he passed away in nineteen ninety one. Of it, you know, I think of an older age. I don't think it was anything really um, you know, nothing like just happened, but yeah. He lived a good life. Lived a good life. He started at
1: 87. So.
0: Yeah. So not too shit. Oh, it's Parkinson's. My fault. Parkinson's kind of sped it along, but a long life regardless. Um, But yeah, he, you know, big time star, big time star and helped pay the way for the NFL to be what it is today. So.
1: Oh, he's. Also the first football player to appear on a box of Wheaties in
0: nineteen thirty-five. That's cool as shit. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, he had some other, you know, really nice honors too. He was the uh first person other than a referee to toss the coin at a Super Bowl. He did that uh January fifteenth, nineteen seventy-eight. But uh there's a lot. There's a lot to his career. We read through a lot. Um, but yeah, one of the early pioneers and uh I wish a lot of people knew. I wish people knew a lot more about him than just his name. Cause yeah. he, uh, if, if the NFL, I mean, the NFL teams were dropping out in the 1920s and thirties, like nothing. And he helped popularize it as best as he could. I mean, look at everywhere he went, he drew a crowd. So
1: baby Ruth at the time of football.
0: Absolutely. Everybody
1: wanted to see red run and without him, I, Pro football would never have been able to conquer those early years of just trying to keep up with baseball at that point.
0: Right. Yeah, it was light years ahead of them. So there is Red Grange, everybody. There is our episode on Red Grange. Andrew gets choice next. Uh, Who do you have in mind for next week?
1: I'm going to go slinging Sammy Ball. Ooh, I love it. Uh, I love me some slinging Sammy Ball.
0: Yeah, yeah, a lot of people do. had yeah, a lot of people on the Facebook page really appreciated it. So, um, yeah, we'll talk. So we'll talk Sammy Baugh, and then I think my last one is going to be. Um, I'm going to do Jim Thorpe for my last one. I'm pretty sure I will. I have to I want look to at a couple just, other names. I want to go like old old school next month too. Like what you were saying. Like right. Ernie I mean, we're, we're, this is the opportunity. Like, why the heck not?
1: This is so so great. Like Ernie Nevers, great just a player. Nobody's really ever heard of a bunch of teams that don't even really play that definitely didn't even exist, but was a great player.
0: Yeah. But there it is, everybody. That is a wrap for today's episode. Don't forget fantasy football episode tomorrow. And I'm pretty sure that Brian and Tyler have something ready to go for Sunday for the college show, but thank you so much for tuning in on behalf of Andrew and I till next time. The two point conversation is Good.